athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Joining me, as always, on another edition of the program, we are jam-packed. So much to get to. First of all, we want to say, uh, I mean, it was an absolute, I, I couldn't believe it, really, if I'm honest. When on Thursday, I was at the house, and my wife was in the other room, and she started clapping, and I, I was wondering what was going on, that Brittany Griner is home. So grateful for that because when this I mean obviously it was political from the jump when this whole thing uh, went down I'm like oh man and then she got you know she got sentenced to the what nine and a half years ten years whatever it was I thought she would never uh, get out and then what as recent as maybe a couple of weeks ago there were reports that she was being tortured also and to go from that to this is a true blessing I'm so happy for her and her family. I mean, basketball is the last thing that I'm thinking about uh, for her. I'm just happy that she's free because, listen, I mean, if I'm honest, I thought, I mean, it, it was a it was a prisoner swap. All right, I'm not going to get all political and get into all of the details, but it was a political swap which enabled Brittany Griner to get home. Uh, but I, I thought she may spend that entire time uh, unless something drastic happened and I, you know I guess you could say that this was drastic uh, right but nonetheless uh, Brittany Griner is home so that is something to definitely celebrate so I mean we could talk about that today on the program you know on today's program and you know how, how we do things here on the show I mean we're gonna talk Deion Sanders today on the program if you've been under a rock somewhere and hadn't heard Deion Sanders leaving Jackson State to become the new head football coach at Colorado. Colorado's in the Pac-12. It's a Power 5 job. And you have all different kinds of perspectives from this. I mean, there's all different kinds. Whether And this is the way I sort of broke it out. And, it, and as a matter of fact, I wrote a piece, uh, my thoughts, on Deion Sanders leaving Jackson State to go to Colorado, and I think the piece wasn't just about that. It was about a number of different things, and you can read that piece at BoxToRow.com. Go to BoxToRow.com to read that piece, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. I give some perspective that I'm going to talk about today here on 
the show. I think you have, I think there are three, there are three perspectives when you look at Deion Sanders, not just leaving Jackson State to go to Colorado, go to Colorado but ja- Deion Sanders maybe as a whole, and of course that has a lot to do with it, him leaving Jackson State to go to Colorado. Number one, you have lay people. Uh, lay people are people that I consider that uh, don't know much or anything about sports or really college football specifically, don't know anything about HBCU sports, but know who Deion Sanders is. And so they have uh, an opinion. And uh, and listen, I've I've heard a lot of people talk and sometimes, I mean, I have, I, you know, I dis- I've disagreed with a lot, especially late, what I would call late people, but I have to, I have to step back and understand it from their perspective because A, they're not inside of HBCUs or HBCU sports or HBCU football, and then they're not inside of sports, not really uh, college football or sports people, um, generally speaking. I- I'll give you an example. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, and we were talking about uh, Deion Sanders, and she was talking about him leaving. I-, I don't know if she was, you know, had a position of whether she didn't agree, and she's not necessarily a sports person. Uh, per se, but she under, she knows who Deion Sanders, she knows some sports, and she knows who Deion Sanders uh, is. And then I said to her, you know, I think her perspective was this. This would open up, or at least this may not have been her perspective per se, but this is either, it was either her perspective or what she was gathering from what other people were saying and related in our conversation. That this may be a win for black head coaches uh, so that there may be more opportunities uh, for black head football coaches. And, you know, where I sit uh, with that, I I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the case. I mean, it's a win because now you have a black man as a head coach at a power five school. And we've talked about this extensively for many years on this program. And I will continue to say in part, the National Football League's issues with black head coaches stems to college football because you have a lack of black head coaches at the FBS level, and then you have a lack of black head coaches at the coordinator positions. When you go to coordinator positions, that some a lot of times lead to head coaching positions at the FBS level. So from that vantage point, meaning there's another black coach at an FBS school, yes. But the thing about it, I mean, to me, from this perspective, Deion Sanders being black and being at Colorado, I mean, it, 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 it does, like, he's Deion Sanders. It's, it's more than black and white. He's Deion Sanders. So he had the success at Jackson State. He needed the coaching experience. He got it. He had the success at Jackson State. It, this, was, this was easy that he was going to be a head football coach at uh, at not only an FBS institution, but a Power 5 institution. Now, at the SEC, maybe not right now, but I think this is, I mean, it's 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 good. Colorado can't do anything but go up. They won one football game this year. Can't do anything to, but, but really go up. And so to kind of get back to what she and I were talking about, I mentioned, okay, I didn't look at it from that perspective in terms of a black-white deal because I looked at a guy and I told her that, of course, um, you know, a little bit earlier on in the uh, in the season, um, we had 
as a guest uh, on this program. Um, as a matter of fact, we had Marcus Freeman uh, on the program. So I was just telling her about, I was just saying, you know, Marcus Freeman, I mean, think about that. You know, had a chance to talk with him, asked him about, you know, being the second black head football coach at Notre Dame, the esteemed Notre Dame, maybe the greatest, you know, in terms of storied program in the history of college football and being at Notre Dame. And you know what she said to me that I didn't even think about. Yeah, but I don't know who Marcus Freeman is. And that's therein lies people that uh, have the conversation but know who Deion Sanders is. And I call those people lay people and they have a lot to say. And I thought that that really made me think. I'm like, okay, she doesn't even know. Not, not, not only does she, she didn't know who Marcus Freeman was and didn't know a lot about Notre Dame because she's not in the college football per se. Okay, that sort of opened my eyes. So lay people, number one. Number two, <clears throat> college football and sports people. So in other words, you hear, you know, people that are, are, are on TV or on uh, radio and they're, you know, they weigh in on the conversation about, you know, Deion Sanders and they take it to all different kinds of levels. Of course, they're not really going to talk about the aspect of the HBCU part of it per se. They're going to talk about, well, it's Deion Sanders, a couple of different perspectives that they're going to have. Will he succeed at Colorado? Was this a good move by Colorado? And they'll dance around the Jackson State part of it because they won't talk about maybe what he meant to HBCU football, which I'm going to talk a lot about that today. And you know, I, I've, I've talked many, I, I don't, I don't talk extensively and have not over the two years talked extensively about Deion Sanders. One of the reasons, and I wrote in the piece, because, you know, at times he overshadows HBCU football and HBCU sports as a whole because he is Deion Sanders. But you have the perspective of sports people and college football people. Some of them I disagree with wholeheartedly because they you know they're the ones that a lot of them are the ones that are going to talk down about HBCU football going to talk down about Jackson State so on and so forth and I I, I disagree with a lot I'm not going to name any names but a lot of them uh and, and, and it's cool a lot of people going to disagree with me and have with the piece that I wrote and that's why it's great when we can have this sort of platform and I want you to chime in and you can do so today hit me up uh, via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or really on my personal. I'd rather you hit me on my personal Instagram, uh, excuse me, my personal uh, Twitter account, at DWare1, at DWare1, because I want to get your perspective as well. So you have lay people, you have college football and sports people that have an opinion, and then you have HBCU people who understand it and look at it from a totally different perspective. And you and you even have, and, and, and a lot of times you'll have all three, uh, uh, you'll have people that are, you know, probably probably more uh, lay people and HBCU people, but sometimes you'll have lay people, sports people, and then HBCU people as well. And even the HBCU people, wow, really lit in to Deion Sanders for leaving the program. He talked about God led him uh, to Jackson State, he's said a number of different things, a lot of which, unfortunately, I can't quote because, I, I, you, listen, you, you know, I, for me, as an HBCU grad and a host of this show, and for having done this for 17 years, I've got a responsibility to you. I've got a responsibility to the public. I've got a responsibility, and we here have a responsibility to talk about HBCU sports 
And it can't just be about one person. And in this instant, it can't just be about Deion Sanders. So half the stuff he said or videos that have come out over the two years, trust me, I have not seen. Okay, so I just want to let you know that up front. So a lot more to get to with respect to Deion Sanders. I want you to weigh in. Hit me on my Twitter account at dware one at dware one. Speaking of Jackson State and wow, appropriately, the best timing joining us today here on the program. James Houston, the fourth, they call him the problem. He played his collegiate football last year at Jackson State. He was an HBCU All-American six-round draft pick by the Lions this year in the NFL draft. Well, he made his first start on Thanksgiving against the Bills, had two sacks in that game. Last week against Jacksonville, he had a sack. He's got three sacks in two games. He's going to join us to talk about that. Also give us some Dion perspective. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. We've got more on the other side. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitney, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? We can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately. Yes, sell your home and get cash all over the phone without dealing with real estate agents or having to waste time showing your home to lukewarm buyers. You don't need to lose your house to foreclosure. If you have equity in your home, we'll buy your home and give you cash within days. All in a simple over-the-phone and virtual process. Call now before your situation gets worse. Sell a home you can't afford or just need anymore and get the cash you need today. Call this number now. Call 800-507-3116. 800-507-3116. That's 800-507-3116. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Box to Box to Box to Thank you for making this program a part of your day. You can join in on the conversation at Dware One at Dware One on my Twitter account at Dware One. Talking Dion Sanders. And look, we've got the field set for the college football playoff. In the playoff, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, Ohio State, USC with a prime opportunity uh, losing to Utah 
in the uh, Pac-12 championship. And listen, Utah was was one of the favorites, like a, a, a one of the favorites actually to win the Pac-12 this year and win the championship. It didn't get off to the great start. But what, what Kyle Whittingham has done at Utah, uh, this was not a surprise per se, but it was a obviously a missed opportunity for USC. It allowed Ohio State to climb back into it. And again, had USC won, listen, TCU, you know, it wasn't a layup. I mentioned it last week. It wasn't going to be a layup against Kansas State. I thought if uh, if TCU lost, I still thought Ohio State would have been in. But TCU uh, did lose, but so did USC. And the better of those two teams was TCU. So TCU gets in, USC is out. Um, and, well, I should say TCU remains. Ohio State is in and USC is out. Uh, don't think Alabama should should have gotten in with the two losses. I mean, you can look at strength of schedule, but it's not like, I mean, yeah, the SEC is strong and, the, and Alabama plays in the SEC. Two things, Crimson Tide did not play in the SEC championship game two. I mean, Alabama's schedule wasn't, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't it wasn't great you know it, it it was it was solid but it wasn't great i mean i guess it's always good because you play in the sec but it wasn't great so i think the committee got it right with the four teams in the college football playoffs if you want to talk about that hit me up via twitter at dware one at dware one so let's get back to talking some uh, some deon sanders and this is where this is sort of where i stand i mean it, this this wasn't we weren't blindsided by this. We knew before the SWAC championship game last week that Colorado had some interest. It was just a matter of whether he would take the position. We already knew he had been, as a matter of fact, we knew he had been offered the week before. And, and, and as he mentioned, by some other uh, programs as well, he took the uh, position. It was just a lot of, it was a lot that happened. You know, it, it was just a lot. Um, I think one of the things, that happened that <clears throat> didn't really sit well with me. And, and listen, I think it's a, I mean, I think it's a good opportunity. You can't do anything but go up. It's in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is going to look a little bit different. We know that, but there's, you know, there's some teams that are coming in as well. So I think the Pac-12 is still going to be strong. I mean, you've got to contend with teams like Oregon. You've got to contend with teams uh, like uh, Utah. So, so it's, it, 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 but I think you can't go anywhere but up. Colorado won one game last year. I'm going to tell you what I didn't like. And I got multiple reports um, about this, um, that he, uh, meaning Deion Sanders had a chartered plane waiting for him after the SWAC championship game to take him to Colorado to be introduced as the new head football coach there. He skipped out. And now, now, now some people will tell you different things. I mean, it's, you know, it's open. It, 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 you can interpret it a number of different ways. Uh, it, it is reported that, he, it, well, it, there's no doubt he did not attend the press conference. From my understanding, a room packed full of media and about maybe somewhere between 40 and 50 members of the media, he didn't show up for that, almost didn't show up for the championship trophy presentation because he was concerned about that chartered flight and getting um, to uh, Colorado. Now, he has said that he's going to coach in the 
swag or excuse me in the uh, in the game in Atlanta in two weeks for what will amount to the HBCU national championship um, against North Carolina Central. Um, okay, you know I, I think that's admirable to some degree because you're gonna you want to start you want to finish what you started. Okay, that's I think that's admirable. What I would say, however, is can you really have your focus on Jackson State in the preparation needed for playing against a very good, a very good North Carolina Central football team that I think has a tremendous shot of winning, a tremendous shot. You look at Central throughout the course of the season, good football team, tremendous shot. Has has had a month, or will have had a month uh, of prep, or more well, almost a month of preparation with an excellent quarterback in Davius Richard. I mean, tough football game. Can you really focus on Jackson State? What if there's a need at Colorado, and I know he's got assistance and all of that, but that requires prime time to be the one to handle the situation at Colorado. You, you got to handle that. It's your new employer, right? So can you really do both? The other thing, and I hadn't had a chance to really look at this, you know, reportedly Shador Sanders is in the transfer portal. Travis Hunter's in the transfer portal. I mean, those guys can't play. Like, they can't play in this game in Atlanta against North Carolina Central, right? So you're down two of your best players from the jump. It was already going to be a tough matchup as far as I'm concerned. Right now you don't have two of your best players. So, I mean, that that's – I mean, can you can you really – do? I mean, you know, can you do both? I mean, I, I mean, I guess you can, but how well – can you really do both? I think that's one of the big questions um, for me. So, again, I think it's admirable, but, you know, can 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 you? Are you going to be able to really do that? Listen, a lot of people, a lot of people said that Deion Sanders is selling out. He's selling Jackson State short. He's selling HBCU football short. And, listen, I can really understand – where those people are coming from, because when you preach a certain message, right, people are going to expect you to live up to that message. Now, this is where this is what I think. I I think the message that Deion Sanders has preached is that there are good players in HBCU football, too. And he was going to he was going to give it the utmost of where he was He's going to give it the utmost of everywhere he goes. He was the same way as a player with, uh, you know, in the National Football League. Same way with the Braves. He gave it his all. So he's going to give it his all and going to be loyal to where he is. Okay? Same thing's going to happen at Colorado. He's going to get, uh, you know, he's going to give it his all. Although, I, I mean, I got to be honest with you. I was a little bit, I don't know if you saw the, the uh, where he, how he addressed the Colorado players, and I get it. I mean, when you're coming in and the team was bad, you got to be real with these guys. You're telling them, and we know what his approach kind of is. But if I'm honest, I was a little bit uncomfortable because, I mean, yeah, they're college kids. I mean, I get it, and they're they're adults and all that. But, I mean, these aren't NFL players, but fine. He, he, You know, you'd have to see his approach. I'm not, you know, I just wasn't terribly comfortable with it. But, again, for those that say, He's selling out. I don't agree with that notion for a couple of reasons. A, 
he went to Jackson State, okay? And, I mean, listen, and that's why I say, you know, if you don't really know, you don't really know. This was a means to an end. He needed college football experience, okay, as a head coach, okay? He got that college football experience as a head coach over, what, th- uh, two, and, uh, two and a half or three, really three seasons, Right, the spring season where Jackson State went four and three last year, where Jackson State went, uh, was it? Um, let's see, not let's see, ten and ten and one, eleven and one, where it went eleven and two, and then twelve and zero this year. So improved every year in essence up until this point. I, mean, I think even a loss to North Carolina Central would still be an improvement in terms of the record. Um, so he had success, and he got the college ex- coaching experience that he needed. Okay. Jackson State, in return, received a high-profile coach or person in Deion Sanders, a lot of publicity that it would not have ordinarily gotten. And by the way, the SWAC got a, uh, benefited a lot from that as well. You know, HBCUs, eh, overall, I mean... Yeah, HBCU, I guess, as a whole, but specific schools outside of the SWAC? Eh, I don't know about that. I, I, I mean, I don't know about that. I'm not, I, w- I wouldn't say that. Um, so listen, this was a contract between Deion Sanders, Jackson State, both parties benefiting. Uh, Deion Sanders, I, now, did he sought this opportunity? I don't know, but regardless, he was offered the position. He took the position. It was a means to an end. Great to play for the HBCU National Championship. You know how we've done it here for so many years. Um, But I would have loved to know what Jackson State could have done against the entire field of the FCS. What could Jackson State have done? How competitive would Jackson State have been? Right. So now he goes to a situation where not only is he at an FBS program, but he's at a power five program. Again, there are going to be some challenges, not going to come in and win right away. You got to go up against the Oregon's of the world. You got to go up against the Utah's of the world. I can't remember if USC is in next year or the year after that. If USC is still in, you got to go up against USC, who may not be champions, of the Pac-12, but certainly was in the best position to be in the college football playoff. That's a tall task for year one. Heck, it's a tall task probably for year two and year three. Think he's going to have some success because he he has to. Uh, he's going to recruit players, going to get good players, and he's going to have some success. Will it lead to a championship before his next stop? Again, these are stepping stone stones. Jackson State was a stepping stone. Colorado is a stepping stone to the next bigger position. And those schools understand that all that comes along with prime time and all the publicity that Jackson State received and Colorado will also now receive. So, I mean, listen, there's a lot to unpack. A lot more we can get to in terms of talking about Deion Sanders here on the program. And you're welcome to join the conversation. Hit me up 
on my personal Twitter account at dware one at dware one Detroit Lions rookie defensive end and former Jackson State star James the Problem Houston is up next. This is your weekly edition of the Box to Row Blitz. I'm Donald Ware. Got a couple of places to take you. Let's get rolling. First, let me take you to Jackson, Mississippi for the SWAC championship game between Southern and Jackson State. Jackson State already with the 10 to nothing lead in the first quarter and driving. To do it. Short drop. Throws in the end zone for hooks. Touchdown, Jackson State. From 14 yards, the two-point conversion was good, and the Tigers led 18 to nothing, but the Tigers weren't done. About three minutes later, this happened. Shadour, shotgun snap, has time, throws on the near side, looking for hooks, he makes the catch, shakes a few tackles, takes it in for the touchdown. To hooks again, this time from 40 yards out, it was blowout city as the Tigers went for two again and had the 26 to nothing lead. The Tigers would lead 33 to 10 at halftime. But Southern began to make a little bit of a run as early in the third quarter, the Jaguars would get on the board again. Lily McDaniel has been amazing since coming in. Takes a shotgun snap, fires to the end zone. The catch is made and Southern not quite done as the Jaguars cut into the Tigers lead. Chandler Whitfield on the reception and Southern would cut its deficit to 33 to 17. Jackson State would get a 33 yard field goal from Alejandro Meta with five and a half remaining in the third to extend the lead to 36 to 17. As we stay in the third on the ensuing possession, Southern continued to fight. McDaniel takes a snap. Oh, look at this. He calls his own number. McDaniel inside the 30 to the 20, 10, 5, touchdown Southern. Extra point was good and the Jaguars pulled to within 36 to 24 ensuing possession for Jackson State putting together a nice drive that ended this way. Shadour back to throw, fires, the catch is made, that's Rico Powers for the touchdown. And Jackson State extends the lead here late in the third. That's my man, the Hall of Famer, Rob J on the Jackson State Sports Network. Shadour Sanders to Rico Powers for nine yards, extended the Tiger lead to 43 to 24, and the Tigers would win their second straight SWAC championship, defeating Southern 43-24. As you've heard, Deion Sanders is leaving Jackson State to take the head coaching position at Colorado. I've got plenty of thoughts on that. You can log on to our website, boxtorow.com, to read my column. Also, talked about it on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, and you can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. I got to take you back to Thanksgiving Day in Detroit. The Lions were hosting the Buffalo Bills. Speaking of Jackson State, former Jackson State star James the Problem Houston getting loose. Allen looking, pressure comes, Allen hit, Allen sacked. Back inside the 30-yard line. James Houston got him. Hey, rookie, welcome to the NFL. This is your first game, and that's your first sack. And can you say repeat? Allen back, looking, pressure comes. Allen hit, slips out of it. Now he's going down, sacked. Lions brought the pressure. Hey, James Houston, that's your 
second sack of the day. You want to talk about a debut? Say hello to Detroit, James Houston. And he followed it up the following week. As a matter of fact, last week with the sack against Jacksonville in a victory over the Jaguars. That audio courtesy of the Detroit Lions radio network. And in New Jersey. Pressure off the edge. James Danny Johnson got Daniel Jones back at the 50. He missed him at first. He was able to recover and get him. What a huge sack for the Washington defense. The former Southern star got his first interception of his career a couple of weeks ago. Now gets his first sack against the Giants. The Giants and the Commanders tie at 20 apiece. That audio courtesy of the Commanders radio network. Springbrook grad. Bram Weinstein on the call. This weekend's edition of Box to Row, we're going to be joined by the aforementioned James Houston. Box to Row, the radio show, airs weekly on radio stations across the country. To find a radio station in your area that carries the show, or for more information, log on to BoxToRow.com. Let's continue here on the program. We're joined by a gentleman, as a matter of fact, in his first season in the National Football League with the Detroit Lions, a six-round draft pick in this past year's National Football League draft. Last year, an HBCU All-American at Jackson State. And in two games, he's got three sacks in just two games. James, the problem, Houston, the fourth, he joins us here on the program. What's going on, James? Not much, not much. How you doing today? Doing great, man. It's it's good to have you. Listen, got I mean, so much going on. I mean, there's the obvious thing, but but I want to start here with you, right? Two, you just get called up from the practice squad. Two sacks on Thanksgiving, no less, against the Buffalo Bills. In I believe it was five snaps. Just just your thoughts on that game and what you were able to do in that football game. Um. I got to credit it all to God, man. Um, just, you know, sitting down with him, talking to him before the game. You know, I asked him, I said, give me your strength, give me your, your speed, give me give me your mental attitude, give me everything because I'm just going to use it to my best ability, you know, and I'm going to give you the glory after. And so um, I credit that to God, man. He, uh, he put me in the right situations. Um, and he just allowed me to go out there and play free. Um, and I just, you know, I just did my thing. Yeah, we know your thing. We saw you at Jackson State. We saw the numbers. We saw the, what, 20, uh, whatever it was, 21 and a half tackles for loss and all of those uh, great things. But what were you seeing? Like, you had a very limited amount of snaps in that football game. I read five, and to be able to get two sacks, what were you seeing out there? Um, I, I just, you know, half of what I do, I don't, I don't too much – look at my at, at the other opponent you know I'm really focused on myself because if I'm doing everything right I feel like it's gonna work out and uh, I feel like that's how you're supposed to you're supposed to play the game you know you're supposed to believe you can win everywhere and so um I was just trying to win I was going out there and I was trying to win and um I think there was a little caught off guard not knowing who I was and not knowing what I was bringing you know what I'm saying so that probably had a little bit to do with it but um yeah, I, I go out there and I, I just try to win. You know, you know, I'm just competing every down. Maybe that's the case, right, James? But you follow it the next week with a sack against Jacksonville. So they've already seen the tape, yet you're still able to get the sack against Jacksonville. Talk about that. Yeah, um, I feel like that was that was almost just really want to. Um, it was toward the end of the half, 
And um, I know I could tell he was he was uh, he was getting used to my speed because really off the first rep, I beat him off, I beat him with the speed, and so um, he was getting used to the speed. So I had to kind of throw him off a little bit. I gave him a little jump, stopped his speed, and I got right on under him. And um, you know that's really the thing with these big old linemen. You got to stop their feet and get their hands moving so you can you can move. You know, because I'm not the biggest guy. Yeah, well, you call it a jump. A lot of people are calling it a skip, and I. I knew you had it, but I just maybe, I don't know, a couple of maybe uh, 20 minutes before this interview, I actually looked at it. You did a little skip thing, man, to get to mm-hmm. yeah, talk about that. Yeah, um, honestly, it was something I really just kind of, I was playing with it on the field. Um, he was giving me all that space, and I knew I kind of had to do something with it. I had to stop his feet while I was in this space. And um, I had kind of charted the, the, the play before, and uh, he had punched me. You know, and so I said, okay, I, I know now once I do that jump, I got to get under those hands. You know, I can't allow his hands to, to still get on me. And so uh, once I hit that j- the little skip, once I came down, I just bend. I, I knew I had to bend and get up under them, uh, them arms. That the voice of James. They call him the problem, Houston the fourth. He is with, of course, the Detroit Lions out of Jackson State. He joins us here on the program so I, I mean big news obviously during the week your former football coach now Deion Sanders leaving Jackson State uh, to go to now Colorado everybody has thoughts everybody has an opinion I want to get your your thoughts on uh, your former coach leaving to go to Colorado um I wouldn't say I have too many thoughts um I'm I'm very happy for his move you know um I'm happy he he got a big old pay raise, you know. He's he's got a lot more things over there at uh, at Colorado. Um, uh, that that's really all I can say about it. He's I'm I'm, I'm happy for him. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't I don't really like all the pushback, especially from the the people at Jackson State, um, just because you know he's he's done so much for Jackson State and Jackson, Mississippi. And so um, I don't really think that is warranted, you know, um, just, just the amount of stuff that he's done for me. Um, I, I feel like he's done his job over uh, at Jackson State. And he's, he's built that program up, you know, and he's, I feel like he's left it in a very great place. And so um, it's, it's up to whoever's next to, to continue that torch and continue to pass it along and, and uh, never let that die out. Because uh, when I was there, I know it was, it was special. And it was really special. The guys there, the coaches there, everything was, it was really special. And so uh, hopefully they continue that uh, standard and that tradition. Is he the main reason you came, you went to Jackson State from the University of Florida? Um, he was a reason. I, I'm not going to say the main reason. I would never put that on one person. Um, but he was definitely a reason why I went there. He made it attractive enough to, to you know, even consider it because honestly, even even with him there, I, at first I didn't I didn't all the way consider it. Um, after getting there and and seeing and, and experiencing everything that it had to offer, I understood exactly what I was getting out of out of Jackson State and the HBCU, and uh, I knew that's what I wanted. And um, yeah, those guys did a great job, man. Uh, not only just Coach Prime, man, uh, Trevor Riley, Jeff Weeks, Dennis Thurman, uh, Andre Hart. All those guys, man, they're they're class act, man. They're building black men into to to really be great people, man. Great men. No, I like I like what you're saying, James, and I like that uh, perspective. Your your year at at Jackson State, even outside of 
uh, playing on the field. Obviously, you guys won the SWAC championship. You had an excellent season. What was it? I don't know. How much did you know about HBCUs prior to coming uh, to Jackson State? And what was the HBCU experience like for you? Yeah, so I knew all about um, HBCUs. My whole family has gone. Uh, my dad, my mom, my sister, um, aunties, aunts, grandpa, you know, it, my whole family's gone to HBCUs. So they've always had that experience to share and, and uh, you know, laugh about. And, and, and I never really had that. And uh, I knew I, I wanted it, you know what I'm saying? But I didn't know how realistic it was for me as a football player. And um, everything kind of just fell in line, you know. And, and uh, I knew I wanted to have that experience. And an opportunity, it, it, uh, it presented itself. Um, my, one of my best friends at Florida, uh, one of my roommates, Nick, Nick Smith, uh, his father, he went to Jackson State. And he set, a, he set the sack record there, actually. His name is Fernando Smith. And so he would always come up and talk about Jackson State, and his son would always talk about Jackson State. So I knew about Jackson State, you know, and I always – it was another HBCU experience that I got to, you know, just hear about and not really experience. And so I knew I wanted that for myself. So uh, basically just seeking that out. Well, not seeking it out, but it, it presented itself to me. And uh, understanding what I was getting out of it, I, I decided to go with it. Um, but my experience was great. I was really only being there for six months, but it was great, man. The people there – uh, just great times, man, on the quad and stuff like that, and the homecoming, man, just stuff like that. It, it's it's uh it's not even close to the experience you get um at at some of these other schools, some of these PWIs. So um, no, I'm glad I got to experience even if even if it was only for a short amount of time. Um, I plan on going back, you know, getting my degree. I don't know how much I'll be on campus, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, not much now with, with the way you're playing. James Houston, the fourth, they called him the problem. He joins us here on the program. There's a business side to the National Football League. You get drafted, six-round guy. Brad Holmes, of course, the general manager there, played his collegiate football at North Carolina A&T, so he knows a lot about um, HBCUs. But, I mean, he, know, he knew about you. I mean, obviously, you were, were a really good player. When you were waived on August the 30th, what were your thoughts, and then ultimately you were signed to the practice squad the very next day? Yeah, um, obviously I was, uh, I was just very sad, you know. Um, you know, I, I ain't never been cut before, so um, it was it was kind of tough for me, and um, it, I think it, it kind of fueled a fire in me. Um, it, it allowed me to just put my head down to work. You know, nobody was really looking at me too much or nothing like that. It was just like. I was just on the practice squad. I was just, you know, another guy. I didn't really feel too much part of the team. And um, I knew that's not what I wanted out of this. That's not what I wanted when I came out. When I left to go to Jackson State, that's not what I wanted when I came out of Jackson State. And so um, I knew I just had to work enough to to change it. You know, I had to change it somehow. And, um, you know, hearing all these guys, man, they would tell me, um, be ready, stay ready. And I'm – you know, they, they, they understand. They, they've been in the league some years. They've seen things, um, see things, how they turn out. And um, it was like, bro, like, you don't want to get your opportunity and, and you're not ready. And now, now you're back on practice squad. You know, you want to take advantage of your opportunity. And that, that really sunk with me in my head. And I was like, if I ever get a chance to, to, to come up and, and not be on practice squad, I'm going I'm to give it my all, man. They're not going to put me back on practice squad. They're going to figure out a way to – I'm, I'm going to figure out a way for, so they need me. And so um, that was really my whole mindset. I, I didn't want to go back on practice squad. It was, that was a, it was almost like a fear. Yeah, from practice squad 
uh, you know, up at maybe less than a month ago to now second on the depth chart. I mean, that's really, really big. What is it like playing for head coach Dan Campbell and your defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn? Oh, it's great. Uh, coach Campbell, man, he's he going to get the guys riled up. Um, he's going to make sure everybody is on their P's and Q's and everybody is, is ready to go out there on Sunday. So um, he's a great head coach, man. He, he motivates us in, in, in different ways. Um, and, oh, A.G., man, A.G., he, he the man out there, man. He calling them plays up. He dialing them up. And so, um, yeah, we following him, man. I'm following him with everything. Uh, just lead me to the promised land. I know he's going to put me in the right situation to win. Yep. Last thought. You guys – you're five and seven, but man, you're—I mean, you're—you're—you're you're, you're in the hunt in terms of the playoffs, playing much better. Divisional rival Minnesota uh, this week at your place. Your thoughts on Minnesota? What it's going to take to get a victory there at home? Uh, good team, man. Good team. Really great team. Um, they got a lot of good players. Um, a lot of good players on both sides of the ball. Um, honestly, man, I feel like the Detroit Lions—we've been playing this this certain brand of football. And uh, if we do that in, in and out every single down, um, I really don't see how many teams that can, that can stay with us for four quarters. We're going to scratch and claw and, and bite until the end. And so, um, yeah, just going out there and just dominating, man, just winning your one-on-one battles and uh, just going out there and having fun and, and doing what we did every other week. James Houston the fourth. They call him the problem out of Jackson State. Of course, the, uh, he's with the Detroit Lions. The Lions are going to play the Vikings on Sunday. He joins us here on the program. Three sacks in just two games. This is going to be the third game of the season for him. James, great insight. Really appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Lions. Thank you so much. Have a great one. So James Houston had a lot to say there. As a re- Well, not a whole lot, but enough, I would say as it relates to Deion Sanders. And you can comment on anything that James Houston had to say. Hit me up via Twitter at dware one More perspective on Deion Sanders on the other side. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. It's Donald Ware. From the press box to press row. Welcome back to Box to Row. We just had James Houston, rookie defensive end for the Detroit Lions at this time last year, was playing against South Carolina State in Atlanta. As a matter of fact, six-round draft pick in this past year's National Football League draft. Joining us on the program, he talked about his 
big time game against Buffalo on Thanksgiving where he had two sacks last week, the game against Jacksonville. And right now, Detroit surging a little bit at five and seven in the hunt for the playoffs and playing some pretty good football. He also talked about Deion Sanders had some perspective. You can react to that or anything that James Houston, the problem, had to say. Hit me up via Twitter on my personal Twitter account, at dware one at dware one I mean, there's so many ways that we can go about the Deion Sanders uh, situation. I mean, from do you think he sold out? Um, and I want to get your, your perspective. Tell me why. I don't think so, and I laid out why I didn't think so. It was a contractual agreement between Jackson State and Deion Sanders. And I mean, it, there's a lot. I mean, and again, I invite you to check out the pieces. A lot in the piece that I talked about that I'm not necessarily going to talk about uh, right here, but I invite you to read the piece or um, watch the latest edition of the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, or you can actually um, catch it uh, podcast-wise wherever you get your podcasts. Um, how good, I would ask the question, how good was Sanders for HBCUs? How good was Sanders for HBCUs? I think for Jackson State, as I wrote in the piece, phenomenal. Um, wow. I, I mean, for the reasons I mentioned. Again, this is coverage that Jackson State would not have ordinarily got or received. Okay? So, it was phenomenal coverage. Uh, I, I mean... You know, again, I think Deion, I think Deion Sanders can overshadow some situations. I mean, and listen, it's not his fault. He's Deion Sanders. He's one of the greatest football players to ever play. He's one of the greatest athletes of all time. So he, you know, he's going to overshadow a lot of situations, and he's and he's a lot. He is a lot, right? But. Jackson State received some coverage. Certainly, I think the uh, I think if you're talking about how good was he for uh, Jackson State, phenomenal for the SWAC, excellent. Lot of coverage for the SWAC. All of a sudden, we saw. Uh, I mean, we saw Jackson State spring game on ESPN. We saw, uh, you know, games now on ESPN two, right when most. HBCU games involving the SWAC, MIAC, others were on HBC, or uh, excuse me, were on um, were on ESPNU. Okay, so we saw that. Uh, we saw uh, where this past week's SWAC championship game is on two. I don't think the game had been on two in past years. It, uh, it it was definitely on you. I mean, I could be wrong about that, but anyway, I mean, it was great for the SWAC. Um, I think when you talk about and I did a piece, and I invite you to, to check out this piece um, last week on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast where I said that the star of HBCU football, or excuse me, HBCU sports, is the commissioner of the SWAC, Dr. Charles McClelland. I mean, listen, he got on the the, uh, the press conference leading into the SWAC championship game, and he talked about where the SWAC was positioned. And remember now, in 2024, he's going to be the chair of the men's Division One Basketball Committee. He's going to be the chair in 2024. Very bright, 
I mean, we, we, he talked a lot about bowl games and playing for the FCS National Championship and really laid it out that it's going to cost you money to play for an, an FCS National Championship, whereas you're going to make money uh, from playing in the game in Atlanta, uh, which, of course, Jackson State and North Carolina Central will play on next week. Um, that said, listen, a lot of coverage. He already, meaning Dr. McClellan, had the SWAT going in the right direction. But as he said, we now know what our worth is. So if you want us to come to the table, right? And he talked about other bowl games involving non-HBCUs. So if you want to come to play us, we know our worth. This is what it's going to cost you. And he's been all, he's, he's talked about the financial piece, right? And making sure that the SWAC is on good footing so that, the schools in the SWAC, because there's now 12 schools, can benefit. So the payout, right? You get the, you know, you get the the uh, the TV package with an HBCU go or 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 what have you, right? And there's a, a, there's a payout to that uh, because uh, go is going to give the SWAC a certain amount of money, uh, just like you see with the SEC or the ACC. Uh, contracts and by the way he he likened the SWAC a lot to the SEC and I like that listen the SEC is the SEC we know that but he he positioned it in a pound for pound scenario to say that hey yeah we may not be the SEC but pound for pound on our level meaning FCS football or mid-major D1 we are um, <laughs> we are the SEC to, to in, in that respect. But again, definitely a benefit Deion Sanders was to SWAC. Now, I'm going to ask the question, and I want to get your thoughts. Was he a benefit? Again, I'm going to ask the question again. Was he, or how much of a benefit was he to HBCUs as a whole? Hit us up via, or hit me up via Twitter at dware one at dware one uh, or at Boxtero. B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. I mean, I, I think so, right? Like, I mean, I, you know, but to a, obviously to a lesser degree than he was to Jackson State and also to um, the SWAC because, yeah, the, the talk was about HBCUs a lot, but again, it was mostly about Jackson. Well, first of all, it was mostly about Deion Sanders. Then it was about Jackson State, and then it was about the SWAC. But did that, you know, sort of reverberate to a MEAC or to a CIAA or to an SIAC or to a, uh, a Tennessee State or, or Hampton or North Carolina a and I mean, I don't know about that. Like, I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, in terms of recruiting, I mean, maybe kids are looking at, a, at those schools a little bit more. But, I mean, in looking at recruiting, I mean, I hadn't seen where – you know, somebody committed to any, you know, to, well, really any school out big time recruits, four star. And then, of course, you had Travis Hunter as a five star committing to any other HBCUs. I mean, now that's not to say that this didn't happen back in the day. I think, you know, when we look at, you know, and, and I think Jackson State um, erroneously when um, when uh, well, actually, when Shador Sanders signed as a four-star recruit, mentioned that th- this was the first time in HBCU history that a four-star kid signed right out of high school 
going to uh, an HBCU school, which wasn't true because Travis Ward came out of, I believe it was Fort Lauderdale, but he came out of, I think it was Dillard, but he came out of Florida and signed to Tennessee State straight out of high school, right? He's a four-star running back. Uh, rest in peace to tra- to uh, uh, Travis to, to, to I can't remember, Travis or Travis Ward, to Mr. Ward. Um, but but in any event, I mean, I, I hadn't seen where any HBCU or any any kids, four or five-star kids coming straight out of high school. It's different. Like, again, you guys know, and, and we have and will continue to rank the top 10 HBCU FCS recruiting classes. Been doing that for, I don't know, 13 years, 13, 14 years. So I really studied this stuff. And again, you know, you get these guys that may have been former four-star guys and all that that have gone to another school and then ultimately signed at an HBCU, um, but not right out of out of uh, high school. So, you know, you have sort of that dynamic. How much impact did he have beyond just Jackson State and beyond uh, just SWAC? Hit me up via Twitter at, at BoxToRo, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or my personal Twitter account at dware one at dware one I think a lot of times you, you we talked about Deion Sanders more than we talked about HBCU sports so while you can say yeah it's bringing attention to HBCU sports well yeah to a certain degree but I mean it, you know it, yeah I mean yeah it does I mean I'm not going to sit here and say it doesn't but I mean a lot of the attention was on Deion Sanders and I'm going to tell you what I'm holding mediums and entities responsible, right? You covered HBCU football like you covered HBCU football because of Deion Sanders. I want to see that same energy now that Deion Sanders is not going to be at Jackson State in, in, and in HBCUs. I want to see that same energy. We know we're not, but I'm going to call him out because – you know, we have a product here, and that's why sometimes it can't be about just one person. It has to be about a collective. We have had a product in HBCU football that's been around since 1892 when Livingstone and Biddle College played December 27th, as a matter of fact. We've got 30, I think it's 34, pro football Hall of Famers that played in the National Football League. We've had a product for many, 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 many years before Deion Sanders. That was a great product. By the way, integration probably uh, lessened that product, if you want to be honest, right? Listen, we got a product. We've had a product. So to pretend like we've never had a product and don't still have a good product, a la Shaquille Leonard, um, a la uh, 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 Javon Hargrave, you know Joshua Williams doing his thing with the with the with the uh, with the Chiefs. So many other guys we could name. We had James Houston on that are now shining in the National Football League, having come out of HBCUs. Look here, we've been doing this a long time. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to James Houston for joining us today here on the program. Promise you, next week we are getting to the grades. It's that time of year, and I'm in a giving mood. I'm giving my grades to the teams from the CIAA, from the SWAC, from the MEAC. Uh, we've already done the SIAC on another show uh, last week, so uh, you may want to find that on our website at box2row.com. Then after that, we'll have 
our traditional year-end review shows. And always remember to support those that support Yo Box Toro is produced by DW Communications. 